0: Welcome to episode 1041 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Friday, April 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. Joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, happy Jackie Robinson Day. How are you? Uh, I'm
1: doing well. This is one of my favorite days of the year. Um, nothing like not being able to figure out what players which on the field. It's it's amazing. Like A real test. 40, just rooting for number 42 in Exactly.
0: Every A real test of how well you recognize players. I will say with Matt Chapman gone from Oakland, it will help in in, and Mark Canha because Mark Canha, Sean Murphy and Matt Chapman all look the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they, it was always confusing with all three of them. So now we just have Murphy. So that part helps, but um, you know, obviously a lot of other teams, if you don't know the players that well, it can be a little bit like, who who is that? Who's that? Mm -hmm. Who's that? Who's that? But, uh, it's a great day. It's a great day to celebrate. I got my Jackie Robinson jersey on, my Brooklyn. That,
1: that, that's a pretty sick uh, Jackie Robinson jersey. And, and as much as I don't like the Dodgers because I'm a Giants fan and I am wearing a blue, you know, my my blue Friends of Fancy Benefits uh, sweatshirt uh, in, in honor of Jackie Robinson Day, uh, that's a pretty uh, sick uh, setup you got. Appreciate
0: it. I really like it. And uh, I try to wear it every April 15th, even, even the COVID year when shit was going completely askew. April 15th, got to break it out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we got plenty to talk about today. Not a whole lot of news and notes. Um, honestly, just just one that uh, I'll, I'll put back on here because it, it's not super actionable except if you play daily leagues or uh, NFBC where you can change your lineups for the weekend. Jonathan India pulled up with a hammy. Uh, David Bell suggested that he could play Saturday, but that means he's out today, Friday. Um, are you sitting Jonathan India in weekend lineups with uh, NFBC or daily lineups? Obviously, you can take him out today and then decide. But what are you doing in NFBC with Jonathan India?
1: Yeah, I, I pulled him out of my lineup. Um, you know, I mean, two games, maybe one yeah. game. I guess the yeah, Dodgers potentially. Thing. Yeah, against the Dodgers, I just I figure it's just safer to make sure I'm. You know, the the last thing you want is take a zero when you don't have to. Um, You know, we're all going to take zeros from time to time, so don't force it and and risk taking another.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's really where I come out as well. uh, When you have somebody like uh, like Jonathan India here and it just doesn't look like doesn't like he's going to play at least the one game and then they're going to have to revisit it. um, They're going to have to revisit it uh, on Saturday I just don't see the upside there uh, So yeah, that was really the only news that, that's moving right now we are looking at maybe some covid situations uh mm-hmm. the mets just had mark canha and brandon nimmo so you can take them out for the weekend but i, I man i really hope that we don't kind of start to see a wave and that becomes another thing that we have to uh that we really have to deal with so right now we're monitoring it obviously it can always crop up kind of at any moment but um are are you majorly concerned here or hoping it's just an isolated situation
1: hoping it's just an isolated situation but also remember that uh players can be put on the COVID il even when they haven't tested positive and that they can come back really quickly so um, so stay just, tuned. Yeah. So really you want to kind of keep an eye on these situations. Don't think, oh, this guy's on the COVID IL. He's not going to play because then he might be in the next day because um, teams are allowed to, if until they get a positive or a negative test, put a guy on the COVID IL just to open up another roster spot. So um, okay. this is something that, uh, you know, people uh, kind of forgot about from last year. So we'll, we'll be seeing that as well, guys who are just sick. And, you know, or have COVID-like symptoms um, uh, or have been in close contact that get put on the IL for, for a quick amount of time in the back. And then they will be the ones that uh, obviously have COVID and are going to miss time. So just uh, be very careful when you read these reports uh, and try to find if they look or look to see if they've tested positive or if they had COVID-like symptoms.
0: Yep, exactly. Uh, so, you know, again, for this weekend with like Brandon Nimmo and Mark Canha. Uh, you could probably sit them because they, they should miss at least Friday, but it might not be a situation where they're out uh, a substantially um, substantial amount of time because, like you said, sometimes these are these are quick turn turnarounds. Um, pardon me. I know it's very early in the show, but I got to go get the dogs. Um, they're 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 outside. I forgot. And I need to let them in. I know I'm a bad person. I'll be right back.
1: Oh, uh, all right. Well, for those of you watching live, this is what happens when you're doing a live broadcast or if you're watching on YouTube, because I haven't quite figured out how you uh, you edit the YouTube videos that are done live. So uh, hopefully Paul will be back uh, very quickly. Uh, but for those of you who are going to be listening later on the podcast, I will uh, make sure to delete the um, whatever uh however long that he's gone for hopefully everybody is uh enjoying the early part of the season and uh doing well in their leagues uh i have uh, some leagues are doing really really well including my auction championship which is uh kind of gone up as high as fifth overall um in the auction championship overall standings um and, uh, and then I've got leagues that are do not doing so well, that have had lots of injuries, uh, including my barf team, where I've lost my top five starting pitchers and my top two closers already this season. So uh, this is one of the reasons why I try to say risk-averse and injury-averse, because that kind of stuff happens.
0: There are two birds in the house.
1: <laughs> there are two birds in the house. This is amazing. So we're going to do a little play-by-play. Paul is wearing the Dodger blue hat uh the Brooklyn Dodger blue hat and the uh, Brooklyn Dodger blue shirt and red pants it's an interesting uh uniform decision um he is uh walking around the house currently trying to find two birds that have gotten him uh, the birds have 80 great speed apparently uh, and <laughs> he uh, has not oh yet been God, able there to are locate birds them in the
0: house right now
1: <laughs> uh, I, I'm doing a play-by-play, so feel free feel free to find them because I'm doing a play-by-play for you. Okay, there are <laughs> two birds in the house right now.
0: henry's scared. Can, can oh, you describe the birds here. for us?
1: I gotta go get the birds, Henry. So uh, this uh this is this is you know a lot live uh for you guys. Um, So Paul is trying to figure out how to get the birds. I wonder if he has a butterfly net or whether he is going to uh, the dogs are freaking out. uh, Paul has two dogs. One is a wiener dog. The other is a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, uh, both beautiful and great dogs uh, that I got to meet. But Paul is attempting to get the birds to go back out the window that apparently was left open. And so far, he has been unsuccessful. Flying
0: back and forth.
1: <laughs> they are a live update from Paul himself. They are flying back and forth oh, around the man. room, uh, <laughs> and Paul is uh, really, really struggling with this. You would think, being six and, foot six yeah, okay, with a very long wingspan, this is that terrible. <laughs> Paul would be able to uh, flap his own wings to get these birds out but apparently that is not the case. Um, while he has 80 grade height, uh, he clearly has 40 grade, or probably even lower than that, maybe uh, 30 or 20 grade agility. And this is uh, oh God, turning wow, into-
0: A huge tumble into the wall and fell straight down.
1: Uh, so we have a bird that took, uh, uh, flew into the wall and tumbled down. Uh, Paul is pulling his best Randy Johnson impression in an attempt yes, to eliminate nine. the birds. One we, we, we are down one bird. So uh, Paul is up one nothing currently on the bird or birds, or he may technically be down one nothing. Uh, we haven't really figured out the scoring for this kind of event. So... Uh, <laughs> uh, Paul is also not wearing shoes, which is a, an odd decision when you're chasing a wild animal around. Uh, it is it has gone quiet. I don't know if the birds have won. Oh, there no. Uh, for a second there, I thought maybe the birds had finished Paul off uh, and ended the game, but I did just see Paul briefly. Peek one gone, through
0: One at large.
1: So we I have, don't know
0: if the other one is gone. Hang on.
1: So as you uh, may have just heard Paul giving a live update uh, one bird is gone the other one is missing. Uh, so this game has turned this game has turned from a game of tag to a game of hide and go
0: seek. <laughs> um okay so one smashed right into the wall and then mm-hmm. fell straight down and I don't yeah. know where that one is. I don't know if it got mm-hmm. back up. And left, one did leave, though, and I, I witnessed that. Oh, Char's getting over there. Let me go see. We're not done yet.
1: <laughs> so the game continues. Um, this is similar to uh, extra innings in baseball. Uh, apparently, there is a bird that is already starting on second base, and Paul has to see if he can hit him or get him out before he scores the go-ahead run, and Paul loses the ultimate game. No word yet on whether the birds have defecated in his house yet, uh, but I'm sure we can get a live update to him once he uh, potentially finishes this inning or loses the game. So, once again, uh, Paul is uh, walking around uh, barefoot, attempting to find these birds. Okay. It appears that uh, Paul has been victorious and the bird did not score from second base, in extra innings as we thought um we, uh, we have some questions for you there Paul. Okay, go ahead um, how does it feel to uh win this round versus the two birds you are at a clear disadvantage them being two versus one
0: uh-huh. no absolutely and it's a situation where when we come in here uh we, we got to play our hardest all the time whether we're up against it or we have an advantage so we're not going to go out there and make excuses we're going to go out there and play our hardest and, and hopefully come out with a victory it feels like today We got that done. But I got to give a lot of credit to my teammates. Uh, They were low to the ground, kind of keeping keeping me uh, check on the floor there. Um, Even though the birds were in the air, it might not seem like they were doing much. But I got to give a lot of love to Charlotte and Henry here.
1: Uh, There's you know, there's a lot of thought coming into this battle that your height advantage would actually help you. It didn't seem like
0: that did. Can you uh, talk a little bit towards that? It's just that birds can fly as high as they want, Mm. and uh, they can immediately mitigate my height advantage just by being, you know, uh, seven, eight feet in the air, whereas my wingspan is really only going to get me to, you know, just over that seven feet range. So once they were at eight feet, unless I'm jumping, which I'm not doing a whole lot of that these days, I'm in in some trouble. Uh, There
1: was a lot of discussion during the telecast. Uh, that along with your Brooklyn Dodgers blue, you're wearing red pants and no shoes. Do you think your uniform may have worked against you?
0: Absolutely could have. Um, you know, the red uh, traditionally associated with bulls, but perhaps these birds were a little bit uh, flummoxed by it as well, and, and it was causing some confusion to where uh, I couldn't necessarily get them to do exactly what I wanted, and then the no shoes, like you said, that kind of goes back to the jumping and them being just out of my reach. So it it, it, it was it was a tough game. But it went into extras, and I think we came out victorious.
1: Uh, Last question before we move on to the actual podcast at hand. Um, Who do you think is ultimately to blame in this? Who left the window open? Are you at liberty to talk about these kind of behind the, I guess, window uh, conversations?
0: It was actually a door. Um, It was the back door left open. A a tradition that we've done uh, Mm -hmm. relatively consistently here for our dogs. Um, it stays partially cracked. They walk in as they see fit and then we go close it. Uh, my girlfriend's not here right now. So I think the blame would fall squarely on myself, uh, <laughs> for leaving the door, open and forgetting about them when the pod started, I forgot I'd let yeah. them out and they were so quiet, which is a rarity by the way. They're usually barking their damn heads off cause we have dogs at every Avenue. And so they're usually talking to some of their friends. The fact that they weren't made me forget that they were out there until they started barking. And then I come to find out two birds were in the house for crying out loud.
1: Quick follow-up before we move on. Do you think it might be time to invest in a doggy door?
0: It's a consideration. Uh, we've been talking about it behind the scenes. We'll just have to kind of see uh, what the discretionary budget looks like, if ownership's going to gonna fund that or not. It's definitely something we've been talking about. We've been wanting it, but we'll, we'll, will ownership cave? I don't know.
1: Well, uh, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me after this uh, uh, amazing performance. Um, That started off a little sloppy, but ended up getting the job done. Congratulations on your victory. And now back to Justin and Paul on the podcast.
0: All right, let's talk about some early season standout hitters. Um, I I did some of these with Clay Link, but I had to save one in particular for you. And then I added a few more. We have to start with Connor Joe. Because uh, a certain somebody, when a couple moves happened in Colorado, did all he could to start – crap talking on connor joe and uh that was you sir me that was you yes the bryant move and then the gritchuk trade now in a vacuum i understand why you know you might see a little bit of trepidation there but at all points there remain time uh you know if we flip the uh the interviewee interviewer roles here. Maybe I could interview you in a post game. Uh, did, did you make a colossal error there pretending that Garrett Hampson was still a worthwhile player and same goes for Sam Hilliard when you were shitting all over Connor Joe.
1: Um, yeah, I think I did. You know, I mean, uh, I think too often in, in the industry we try to make excuses or defender. I was wrong. Um, and, uh, I mean, luckily, you know, for me, I, I got him in some DCs early uh, and then he fell to either the 29th or 30th round of my last main event. That's incredible. And I just took the shot. It was 20, 29th round because um, I, I finished up my, my draft with three straight outfielders that I felt were that should be drafted that didn't look like they were going to be in um, uh, Chase McCormick, uh, Jake Fraley, and Connor Joe. So, Good group um got to figure out which one i'm going to drop because I, I have to drop one of them unfortunately but
0: fraley was who i kind of uh yeah went for and i had to forego my I, I didn't have to but i i figured when i drafted fraley i was foregoing my opportunity at joe and it turned out to be correct michael govier took him in our main event mm-hmm. so you got him in that second one. And i will say that was a pretty good comeback when i was roasting you on our on our group chat with with know mm-hmm. and colette and i was like. You know where you at on your on your Connor Joe hate. He's playing every day. This was even apart from the fact that he was hitting. I was just talking about the playing time. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got him in one of my mains. I was like, okay, fair enough, fair enough, and I appreciate uh, I appreciate the the mea culpa there. Listen, it did look like okay. Are they doing normal Colorado things here? They have a quality player who looks like he can play damn near every day and be good and he's kind of a find for them. Connor Joe, you know, 28 years old when they got him last year, kind of a journeyman, uh, you know, is he quad A or is he more? And it looked like he's more. Are they blocking him off immediately? They are not. Uh, Gritchuk is playing center. Uh, Chris Bryant is bouncing between left field and DH, and Connor Joe is, is sh- shifting with him. They've had a fortunate schedule where they've had four lefties in a row, so that's four leadoff days in a row for Connor Joe, but he's played against all the right-handers too. So he's playing every day bat six against righties first against lefties is Connor Joe in all formats at, or do you stop short of 10 teamers with three outfielders?
1: Um, hmm, That's a really, really good question. Um, cause I, I, was, two I was homers I was, in the
0: steel, by the way, let I me mean, let me, let me chime in there. With and, the he's playing, and
1: he's playing in Colorado, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for half of his games. Um, yeah, I think he's probably let's see 10 teams, three outfielders you're, you're talking about is does that make him a top 30 outfielder? I don't think or, it does. Or,
0: or probably closer to like 40, 40 45 I don't know because it of does. Yeah, I, I agree. But it's a little bit it's a little bit deeper there because think of outfielders that will be used at other positions and mm-hmm. reserve guys. But it does start to look we well, even if we give him top 50 I understand that it's borderline there, but I think every other format, 12 I think he's top 50. Okay, then I I think he's probably Ross, our our phrase that we like to go to, maybe not on your team, but on somebody's team in a Mm 10-teamer right now for Connor Joe. We really like him. Um, The talent is there, does not strike out, walks a ton, getting into some early pop. He had a 184 ISO last year, too, so it's not like he can't hit for double-digit homers, especially with Colorado uh, protecting him for half of his games. I love Connor Joe, and I'm happy to see him performing well off rip. Mm -hmm. Let's stay out west and talk about another, uh, well, actually, uh, much more lauded uh, up-and-comer this year, but also had a situation where his price was depressed because of a, a move by the team. When Freddie Freeman signed, Gavin Lux's price went way down because, like, well, there's no room at the end again. But then there was a late pivot when A.J. Pollock was traded out does that open the door back up for Lux because he's an infield out infielder outfielder. So he can move around anywhere. Every little move kind of seemed to open up the door for him. And here he is starting uh, pretty much every game. He didn't start Thursday. I believe that was his first off day of the season and he's performing as well. How do you feel about Gavin Lux on the early returns specifically from a playing time standpoint, since performance is super volatile at this juncture.
1: Yeah. And this is super, um, Disappointing for me, just because Lux is a guy I've always really liked, um, but they're they're bringing Freddie Freeman. Um, it just seemed like he was kind of the odd man out, um, and they've done uh, the Dodgers have done a lot in the past to like block off his playing time and not give you know and move him up and down between the majors and the minors or between the starting lineup and the bench, and so I kind of just faded it just because. Uh, I just didn't see the path to playing time, and then the H.A. Pollock trade uh, for Kimbrell obviously uh, gave him a real opportunity, and so far he's taking advantage of it. And I love the fact that they are giving him pretty much everyday playing time at this point. So um, yeah, I, I like I like Lux a lot. I'm a, I'm bummed. I don't know that I have him in any leagues. If if I do, it's maybe a DC or two or something like that. But uh, I, I hope he does well um, because I think he could turn into like a legit 2020
0: bat yeah I know you know this phrase can get thrown around a, a good bit about uh, league winners. Uh, you know this guy can be a league winner from the waiver wire or from the middle rounds. I think Avalux do, does have that actual type of talent. And he's just twenty four years old, and I think anybody that kind of jumped off based on his five hundred and thirty two plate appearances initially that were sporadic in nature. Um, probably made a mistake. And I don't say that just off of 22 plate appearances. This is somebody who I really like. I believe in his talent. I think Gavin gonna have an excellent season. So I'm excited that he's playing and I'm really eager to see how the, uh, how the results pan out for him. Yeah, Let's, let's talk Andrew Vaughn. Uh, interesting prospect <laughs> caused some consternation uh, with an off day the other day. And listen, you know, Kev, I, I like roto surgeon Kev a lot. I was on his pod. We're homies. But he tweeted out this like, is, is, I, it, what he probably thought was an idle hot take about, uh, you know, why aren't they basically why aren't they starting Vaughn against a righty on Tuesday, and they're starting Gavin Sheets ahead of him. And I didn't like that he took a shot at Gavin Sheets. By the way, I will say it's perfectly defensible to start Gavin Sheets, um, even over somebody like Vaughn, who I love, who's number three overall pick, who I believe can be a breakout guy. But he was kind of like, I thought he was making way too much. If I just said, hey. You know, it's an it's an idle Tuesday lineup. I don't think it's a big deal. If he's not playing against righties into May, then I think we talk about it with Vaughn and we hit on TLR. But it's a little bit of a boy who cried wolf thing. If we're if, if we hammer everything on on somebody like TLR, then then the stuff that's actually impactful is not gonna resonate because we're always just kind of Charlie's Brown Charlie Brown's teacher about Tony LaRussa. That turned into a big shit show. Not even from Kev. A bunch of other people come out acting like I am crapping all over Vaughn and saying how big of a deal this is I was like it's the fourth game you guys are fucking insane I thought it was just the most colossal overreaction in a sea of overreactions by the way the first few weeks of fantasy are a nightmare for people just desperately overreacting to everything um, Vaughn the all is right in the world Vaughn has has started against the righty since then uh, he is off to a strong start. I fully believe in the player. I just didn't care about a game 4 lineup when you're just trying to get guys in. I also surmised that because Grandall was DHing and Maguire was catching that maybe Grandal was good enough to hit but not catch in terms of health even though we hadn't heard anything about it. But anyway, this is about Vaughn. He's off to a quick start in his 19 plate appearances this is a very tiny sample with a couple homers. Are you bought in on him and is he somebody that can have a breakout season?
1: Oh, I'm absolutely bought in on him. Uh I think he can have a breakout season. Again, another guy that I didn't get a lot of shares of, um, especially in the later drafts, just because he had, he had that injury that uh kind of came uh uh rib injury, I think it was from diving in the outfield. Um and I, I do worry about like Tony Larusa and his lineup, uh you know, whether or not he's gonna uh you know be regularly in the lineup and when he is, is he gonna bat, you know, eighth. Uh, like we saw him uh, bat the other day. I'll be interested to see today whether he's in the lineup uh, against another righty in Rasmussen. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely understand, like, people freaking out. At the same time... No,
0: you should not understand it. No, I'm not saying it's that.
1: right. I'm saying I understand. Like, okay. because I mean, this is a lot like early spring training, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, we, we've we been waiting for news, have been waiting for action and any little thing that happens, everybody overreacts. We treated right? as actionable. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: It, it's, um, it's actually kind of a problem to be honest.
1: It is absolutely a problem and it will go on for the next two weeks um, and uh, and people are going to, to overreact. Uh, you have to remember, and, and this is kind of an analogy I used you, with you when we were talking about it prior to the show uh, or prior to hitting the record button, um, you know, imagine this is like a football game, and the football game, like the first series of plays, are already predetermined, right? They've mm-hmm. got a list of twenty plays they're going to run. Um, you know, and they may tweak things depending on the situation, but ultimately these are the first twenty plays you're gonna run. That's pretty much how lineups get done, like the first week of the season, yeah. right? Exactly. Um, and they want to make sure guys are getting in, you know, that they're getting everybody a chance, you know, to get in the game. They want to make sure guys have, you know, uh, days off. Um, I wouldn't like over, like read a ton into anything super early on, especially yeah. slow starts or hot starts. Um, uh, except for my, my teams that are doing well, we should read into they are
0: amazing. <laughs> That's definitely the set setting. What's going to be happening this year. Yeah. It's like, I'm not saying don't pay attention to anything. Obviously, keep an eye on things and look at them. And, I, you know, I've been writing these box score bits and trying to decipher, like, what might be actionable, what isn't. It's not easy, but not everything is actionable. I can guarantee <laughs> that. That I can say with dead certainty, that not everything is actionable, not everything is, is meaningful. And like you said about the lineups, I like that, you know, the scripted part, like, hey, we're going to get everyone on the bench at least one start before the 10th game which means Danny Mendick's going to get a start. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese McGuire ended up getting a couple. Again, I still feel like Grandall might have been dealing with something that, again, was enough to take him off the field to catch, but not so much to hit, and that's why they were doing the two-catcher lineup there. I just didn't and see it as a concern.
1: It may not even be that. It may be the fact that Reese McGuire is a really, really good defender, yeah, um, a good really, game? really good catcher, and that Grandal dealt with injuries last year, and they don't want to get him tired out early on in the season. So, yeah. um, but so will there
0: could that be more of this?
1: Yeah. And will that translate later on into the year? It could. Um, there's definitely some risk to Andrew Vaughn's playing time. Uh, we saw it last year where they didn't really want to play him. He's not a good defender out in the outfield. Um, however, the White Sox are clearly committed to him. Uh, he was the main piece that the A's wanted in a Frankie Montas deal. Yes. Um, and they said no. So, like, they're clearly committed to him, and you're not going to be clearly committed to a prospect like Andrew Vaughn and then not play. So he's going to play.
0: Yeah, I agree. A- again, absolutely zero concerns based off of the lineup for game four. That that was my only point there. I repeatedly said in that thread how much I liked Andrew Vaughn, but, boy, these folks were just not hearing it. Uh, Owen Miller, Cleveland guy. I feel like we can bring up Cleveland guy's – every episode on, on Hot Standouts. Uh, Clay and I talked about two of them and Stephen Kwan and Oscar Mercado. We got a third here with Andrew Miller who had a two-homer game. Uh, tearing the cover off the ball has a MLB best 1048 slug thanks to five doubles along with those two homers. A prospect of some note, not a premium prospect, but like when, when he got traded over from Cleveland uh, or from San Diego in, I believe, the Mike Clevenger deal... It was like, okay, you know, this is a name. There, there is some some prospect Sheen here, despite not being a top guy. Um, are you making any moves off of this Owen Miller situation uh, uh, early on? He seems to have relegated Bobby Bradley to the bench by taking over first base right now, especially swinging a hot stick. Is Owen Miller somebody you're looking at?
1: In maybe a deeper league, in a 15 team league, like if if he's going to play consistently over uh, Bobby Bradley, which one hurts me. Um, because I got a lot of Bobby Bradley this year. Um, uh, you know, thankfully I can probably drop him in, in my in my uh in my fat leagues. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he is someone interesting. Like, I don't think he, like, if people are like, oh, look at that two-homer game, maybe he's a real power hitter. Like, I don't think that's the case. Like, yeah, he's he's like maybe a low double digits homer guy. That was just a big, day. I was
0: thinking teens could, could come through for Owen Miller. Like, he hits potentially. He hit seven last year in forty-eight games at AAA with a one-ninety-two ISO. That was a big power spike for him. Uh, we'll see. You know, if there if there is some power there. I do think like 14 is probably what you're looking at, but batting average, like he does not strike out and he had a 40 graded hit tool last year with 55 future. It looks like at least early on, he's starting to get into some of that extra hit tool development with a 9% strikeout rate and 4% swinging strike. Now that's the quickest stat to stabilize is the strikeout rate. It still takes 60 plate appearances and he's at 22. So we're not there yet with Owen Miller, but, That seems to be the main thing that he can do is make a ton of contact. It's been strong contact so far, so he's off to a really fast start. I don't know that in 12s, um, I'm probably having a tough time finding a fit for him. I think it's really 15s and beyond right now for Owen Miller. What's his eligibility in leagues? It- I think he would have come in with something in the middle infield, and now he's going to be working toward first base. I want to say he would have come in with second base. I'm going to cl- click it right now and check. Yeah, second base on NFBC with uh, first base on the horizon here. That's interesting because that'll give him CIMI.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it gives you like that multi position eligibility, um, which really can cover four spots for you for a second MICI, except with MICI. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely going to be a hot guy in Fab. I'm not going to break the bank for him, though. Like, that's
0: definitely not a bank breaker.
1: No, I mean, he's like, this is like, like a, a 2% of your fab or a 3% of your fat kind of guy,
0: not a 10 or 20%. Is he? How, how different is he than Stephen Kwan? He's different, but how different? Um, I, I mean, think I think Stephen Kwan got a 70 hit tool grade. So I, I want to be clear. There are, yeah, there's yeah, a difference I, here.
1: I mean, I think they're pretty different. Um, Especially considering uh, Quan has already been moved up to the second or the two hole of the batting order, um, I think his his playing time is much safer. Like if Owen Miller disappears tomorrow, I'm not going to be surprised. I'd be very surprised if Quan and um, uh, Miller may have more power in his bat. Quan definitely yeah. has more speed.
0: Um, yeah. That's the thing so, too. I wish I wish I had some confidence that maybe Miller could could run like you know seven, eight bases type of deal, but I haven't really seen anything to suggest. Honestly, that. Juan
1: may have just as much power. Like, I mean, I could, could see I could see either of them hitting, you know, 11 home runs this year or hitting 17, 18 home runs. Quan so, had a
0: power spike last year that included mm-hmm. 12 home runs in his seventy seven games with like a 200 ISO. If his some of that
1: Quan's stat cast numbers in the minors were actually really, really impressive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, again, they, they are different. I, was, I wasn't I was bringing it up to suggest that they're the same. I do think Miller could do a poor man's Quan imitation if some of the strikeout gains that he's had so far stick with mm-hmm. the 4% swing strike rate and the 9% strikeout. But Quan is on another level. He had one swing and miss. It took it like five games in to even have a swing and miss. He's unbelievable with the contact.
1: I mean, the contact numbers for Owen Miller are pretty insane right now. It's got like a 96% zone contact percentage, oh a 4% swinging strike percentage, and even like an 86% uh, O contact percentage. So making contact in so the when zone, he's, chasing, he's, he's above he's getting... league average for in in the zone. Yeah. So like, I mean, yes. Is the, is there is this definitely something to watch? And should you just pick him up in some leagues to ride the hot streak? Absolutely. But... He's not going to continue even close to like what he's doing in terms of those contact numbers, and so, and because he doesn't have a ton of game power yet, I, I don't know that like this is going to continue to be a thing. But you ride hot streak, he goes on a cold streak, and you drop him for the next guy.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that's where it's at right now with Owen Miller. It's not oh. something where you need to go crazy for him. Yes,
1: I am watching the Mets Diamondbacks game, and and and. They had a pop-up and it landed in between three guys because they all got oh. afraid of running into each other. My God.
0: Poor Zach well, Babies. I mean, it, it is better than than crashing into each other.
1: It, 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 and it was number forty two. Oh,
0: Oh, 42, 42, you gotta make that that issue. <laughs> you gotta make that play. I mean, yeah. You gotta get out there. <laughs>
1: And I think is that Varsho and Setter just like pushed the shortstop aside when he was on the yeah. ground just to get the ball. That's, That's great
0: move, dummy! I
1: love live baseball. Yeah, I know some people don't like the day baseball games. Man, do I! Like oh, it.
0: who doesn't like day baseball?
1: Probably people who have real jobs and can't watch day baseball. Get like a life, do.
0: loser! <laughs> Am I? No, just kidding. <laughs> I, honestly, though, even if I was still in the corporate world, I'd love day baseball to have like something to distract me a little bit. You know, I don't sit there working. Does anybody in corporate America sit there and work eight straight hours? I don't think so. Get out of here. Y'all put in like 15 minutes of work. Chill out. Anthony Santander is a guy I know that that you've liked in the past, and he's certainly had some buzz in different pockets of the fantasy community with some hopes that uh, with some health, there could be a a, a – an additional breakout there. He kind of broke out in the in the covid season with 11 homers and a 130 wrc plus of 2020, but that's 37 games. Last year he couldn't quite replicate that. He kind of dealt with injuries, playing just 110 games and having a 92 wrc plus, but there were still the hints of of what people liked about Santander. Um he's off to a you know quick start here with a 455 You know, the the stats are are tiny uh with 23 plate appearances and seven walks or, or six walks already being a big part of his early production. But is Anthony Santander somebody that's an all formats player? Um, he's already rostered for sure in 15s and beyond and probably a good number of 12s. So this is really a shallower league discussion with Anthony Santander. And how do you feel about him?
1: Um. So if you uh, saw my ranks on our Patreon or if you saw my ranks, on on fan graphs, uh prior to this, you know, end of draft season, uh, I already had him ranked kind of as an all four bats. OK, outfielder. let's go. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I his main issue last year was health, just being Absolutely. able to stay on the field. Uh, and I think his his bat's going to play. I'm not worried about the park changes um, in Baltimore for him, uh, you know, being a switch hitter. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big Sandander fan. Uh, he is my, he is tied with Nelson Cruz as my second most rostered hitter Let's uh, go. in leagues uh, or sorry, tied with Cedric, teammate Cedric Mullins behind you go. Nelson Cruz. There you uh, go. So yeah. I have, I have him in 50% of my NFBC leagues uh, this year. So yeah, I'm a I'm big Santander fan. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm a little surprised, like how much he's walking right now because uh, he's been a 5%. You know, six percent walk guy in the past.
0: I wonder if it's happenstance or something he's committed to, and he's kind of over-indexing on it early. Um, that, that I don't know, but like it's twenty-six percent walk rate so far for uh, Santander. I, with I mean, with I
1: the will say he, the early returns, and and who knows how much you know you know this is extremely small sample. These things mm-hmm. haven't uh, you know even themselves out enough for us to gain too much from it, but. Uh, he is swinging outside the zone uh, considerably less. Um, so, I mean, maybe that is, uh, you know, a case where he's he's legitimately trying to be a little bit more patient uh, and, and not swing at bad pitches. Uh, and it's working so far. So, I mean, yeah, his, his swing percentage uh, is down to 37% after being 51.5% last year.
0: Okay, so Santander um, does appear to be kind of consciously...
1: Yeah, it's not, it seems like he's out, making some conscious decisions. Now, we'll see if that stays that way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, you know, it just may have been a matter of, hey, he wasn't getting very good pitches or, or, like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm laying off the of close pitches. He was getting, like, bad pitches. Uh, I haven't yeah. watched enough Orioles games yet no, to, to, to know the answer on that. So, but. Uh, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely try to go back and watch the film and see, um, and we'll, we'll keep a close eye on this. Because but even
0: in your shower formats, you're considering Santander. Yes, yeah, some, absolutely. Somebody to pick up. What kind of, what kind of power upside do you, or what, what kind of power output do you see? Not upside, because uh, upside, obviously, I think could be like 35. He's got that kind of power. But what are you expecting out of Santander this year, generally I, speaking?
1: I think if he stays healthy, I think he's going to hit 30.
0: Okay, that's awesome. Uh, uh, that would yeah, obviously be. Even, yeah, every and I mean, I think he homer. has
1: the. I think he has legit thirty-five, maybe even forty homer upside if okay. he stays healthy, um, and can you know uh, not you know swing outside of the zone at bad pitches and stuff, which gets him out. So um, yeah, I mean, I I had him penciled in for I think twenty-eight home runs, um, uh, in my kind of you know quasi projections. Uh, But, yeah, I think if he stays on the field, which has been his biggest issue, Mm -hmm. I think Santander can uh, potentially be a 30, 35 homer got.
0: Okay, great. Anthony Santander. All right, let's uh, jump into some two starts and uh, just kind of go through and talk about the formats in which we would use these guys, if any, of course. They're loosely ranked. They're not 100%, but you kind of got the better guys that are – Mostly all formats, and I just want to make sure that those shower leagues, you're still using them. Then we'll get into some of the mid-tier guys, and then the back-end guys will be for deep leagues only. Like I said, kind of loosely ranked. You might have a few disagreements here and there, but I think the the segments kind of work top to bottom there as far as the talent. Tyler McGill, one of the bigger breakouts uh, so far, insofar as you can call anyone a breakout a week in. His two starts qualify, I do think, Mm -hmm. because he's showed so much in such a little time that there is a ton of excitement for him, San Francisco at home. Uh, and then a trip to Arizona. Is this, is this a, a slam dunk, uh, in all formats for you with Tyler, McGill,
1: he could be going up, uh, against the Dodgers at home and the Rockies on the road. And I'd start him right now.
0: I would too. I, That's I where think, I'm at with him. Literally yeah. all formats, yeah, teamer, all, I'm, yep. I'm starting Tyler. McGill. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, okay, I think great. Then we, if, we if he's, no, on he's on a wire no. in a shallow league, you, you drop just, I mean, I, I mean, I think he's easily a top 40 starter right now.
0: Yeah. So that any league you should be able to find somebody to cut and it might be a tough cut, but in shower leagues, you have to cut players that could pop up for the guys somebody in our, right
1: in our Patreon asked if, uh, if I would cut, um, Ian Anderson. And I said, yeah.
0: For McGill, I would, too. And yeah. I, I like Ian Anderson. I got big hopes so. for him, too, but I would I'd take McGill. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Cobb is right there behind him. It's different situation. It's an older guy, but added some velo in spring. Looks great so far with that added velo carrying over. He gets uh, home against – or no, double double road to the Mets in Washington. Is, is Alex Cobb in all-formats guy that you're kind of bending over to, backwards to go get?
1: He is. Um especially in shallower formats, uh, you know, because in shallower formats, if and when he does get hurt, there's going to be a uh, replacement on the waiver wire. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not to say you, you don't want him in deeper leagues. You obviously
0: do. It's just. But he's I, long gone in deeper leagues. He's yeah. And, and I don't have a lot of faith like he's going to stay healthy. Long-term. Check check your wire. Always check your wire. Never Absolutely. assume. You never For the know. Most part, but, yeah. He should be gone in most leagues. Yeah, no, but I think, yeah, I think he's in all
1: formats, all matchups play.
0: Okay, I I totally agree with that with Alex Cobb. Uh, Jesus Lazardo, another spicy breakout that had some spring buzz. People are liking him. Home to St. Louis at Atlanta. Again, we're focused shallower because most leagues uh, that are 15 and 12s, Lazardo's already going to be rostered. Are you starting him and are you picking him up and starting him in 10s and below for Jesus Lazardo?
1: I think this one's a little bit more tricky. Um, he looked fantastic
0: in mm-hmm. that, in that start. Um, did you yeah. see that game? I did. Okay. So are you going to bring up the, the one thing that just takes a little bit of steam out of it from Lazardo and Sandoval with all uh, the strikeouts? The, the shadow, the shadowing, I thought played, played a role. The oh no, They were in the bright sun for like the first three or four innings. And then the, the hitters were in the shadow. I'm not saying they wouldn't have done well. They both pitched their asses off, but it might've been a couple extra strikeouts there. I'm just like, having Mm -hmm. no idea where the hell the ball is until it's literally up on you. So maybe in a all sun field or all shadow field, he gets eight strikeouts instead of 12 or, or even 10. Like he was dominant. I'm not here to crap. on. The bird is back. The secondary bird. I hear him running into the window right now, Uh, but we're just going to let it ride right now. This is amazing. He is back alive. I think I was was originally
1: uh, going to edit that audio and put it into the back of the episode, but I'm just going to leave it in as is Okay because there's been too many references to it to the birds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, usually these kind of things, I just, I kind of edit out and then I put it in the back in the episode if it's funny enough, but this one has to just, I almost thought about leading
0: off the episode with it. Uh, I may do that. We'll, that would we'll be figure. pretty funny, but he's back. And uh, Henry has come back in here. He's, he's very panicked by that, but pardon me, Lazardo, <laughs> you say it's a little bit more tricky. So are tens in below, are you maybe giving a little, a little pullback. If, I, if you're, I think a two
1: start, start you're likely doing it unless you have other really good options. Mm-hmm. Um, just because a two start is, is too good of an opportunity to pass up. You know, I I made the mistake of not starting Nestor Cortez Jr. Um, in a two start, starting with you know because it started with Toronto, yep. uh, and that that looks like it's gonna hurt because now he gets Baltimore for the second half of it. Um, uh, but. I'm not as sold on Lazardo at like people are losing their minds. Like, Oh, here it is. Here's the breakout. He has been very inconsistent in the past from start to start. Like there have been, you know, and sometimes from pitch to pitch, um, I need to see a little bit more of a track record before I'm going to start like saying, Oh, th- this guy has arrived. The talent is definitely there. We've never questioned the talent The um, question mm-hmm. has always been, can he command pitches within the zone from start to start and not give up two or three homers? Um, you know, you talked about the strikeouts being there because of the shadows. Well, what's not there is hard contact because, you know, hitters can't see the ball uh, until it's too late. So, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to take the gamble on the two start in the leagues where I do have them. Uh, but, uh, I, am not yet ready to anoint him over other guys.
0: Okay. I think that's fair with Lazardo. You know, he was somebody that I definitely understood why people were excited about him And could see the upside, but I wasn't really diving headfirst back into him either. I was looking at other kind of I got him in in some
1: early, I got Lizardo in some early DCs where he was going like outside top four or five hundred picks. Just because the the upside there is like, okay, you know, if I hit there, that's a league winner type player. Um, No doubt. uh, But when it came to like the main events and fab leagues and stuff like that, I just, I couldn't find myself pulling the trigger over other guys that I feel a little bit more comfortable about the floor.
0: Yep. And that's kind of where I came out. Uh, Tristan McKenzie had an opening day relief appearance that uh, sent people into a bit of a tizzy and uh, being that we're, we're direct body comps. I feel confident in saying that perhaps it was the cold weather that he was not uh, sitting well with. It was 47 and super windy. And uh, you know, that's freezing for us. And I don't know if Tristan McKenzie feels the same way I do about cold weather, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that's why his command was completely off and uh, his VLO was down. So he gets his first start of the season, four shutout innings, three hits. No walks, six strikeouts, velo back up, temperature up 20 degrees compared to that game. Wind was still blown, a little, little overcast and rainy, but 20-plus degrees uh, on the weather maybe felt a little bit better for, for McKenzie. He gets the White Sox and at the Yankees. It's not an easy one. Where are you starting, Tristan McKenzie, and where are you picking him up?
1: Hmm. I definitely want to pick him up in, in most formats if I can. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, 10 teams. I don't want to cut a top 40 or top 50 starter necessarily for me but i i would definitely try to get him on my roster yeah um i don't know i mean in 15s you're probably starting him through
0: this this is a tough stretch though it I is mean, but i'm, I'm starting t- in our main i mean i think i mean you probably have to um i, I feel like i again i think we talked about this on previous episode or i did with somebody recently I, i'm i'm more liberal with my starts early on yeah. And I think, I think we talked about how you, you, you play a little bit more cautiously. I go the other way. I play a little bit more open and I'm like, I can make up. You said you don't want to chase later. And I get that, but I just think with the, with the amount of time that we have that um, you know, no starter or two is really going to kill me. So I'm going to take the shot and I believe in McKenzie. I'm going to take the shot here with the two-step, even though it is difficult.
1: Yeah, I, I can understand that. I think it, for me, it would be dependent on who else I have and, and things like that. But um, it, it's hard, especially in those 15 teamers, to not play those two steps. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I can see it. I, I think in shallower formats in your 10s and 12s, you may not want to
0: risk it. Yeah, but I would still want him on the squad. Yeah, I'd still so want I him
1: on my team. But I, I, can I totally I de- see that. I don't know that I want to mess with Chicago's lineup and New York's the lineup. Yankees. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So No, I, I can understand that in, in the shower formats with Tristan McKenzie. Uh, okay, so I listed these guys together because they are piggybacking together. Rich Hill and Garrett Whitlock, and I think both have some consideration because they're both like three to five inning guys. Now, obviously, they can't both go five innings unless the game went extras, but uh, they're probably both just going to do four again. In that outing the other day, Whitlock came in and just shut that sucker down with four no-hit innings for the W. Love Whitlock. I think he's all formats. Like, I'm talking Mm -hmm. even shallower leagues, I want Garrett Whitlock right now because I think he can eventually start. But right now, he might be the closest thing we've got to that Ryan Yarbrough uh, of many moons ago now, many years ago, when he had that 16 win season as a follower, that Whitlock's the closest thing we got, and Whitlock's a hell of a lot better than Yarbrough was. So I really like the setup for him. What about with Rich Hill, though? And, and you can chime in on Whitlock, too, but is Rich Hill somebody with two starts that are probably going to max out at five? Do you go for him? And the, the teams they're facing are Minnesota at home and then at Tampa Bay.
1: I don't mind the matchups i um, not necessarily scared of Tampa Bay or, or Minnesota. Um, but I don't know that he's going to qualify for win. I think the Red Sox be really smart with Richel and kind of limiting how deep to let him go into games. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, he's like a 75 year old pitcher and they want him potentially for the postseason. Uh, and so this makes a lot of sense, but I think it makes it really hard to start him I agree with you on Whitlock, though. I think Whitlock is in every format's play. You want him on your team, and you probably want him in your starting lineup, especially if he's going to continue to follow uh, Hill because he's going to get some sneaky wins. He's going to, you know, potentially that, that Ryan Yarborough season where Yarborough just, you know, had an opener and he got all crap craps on wins, yeah. 16 wins. So, yeah, I think um, – I'm a little bummed I don't have much Whitlock uh, because I just didn't know what the role was going to be. Uh, this role and man,
0: ended up being extremely valuable for him. Exactly. I, I, I'm really excited about what's going on with Whitlock here. And I do think that even if he moves out of the, the follower role, it'll just be to start, right? Like he's going to be in a prime role uh, one way or the other for Garrett Whitlock. His talent is immense, and I'm really excited about him. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you got some shares out there. Take a look on your wire. Uh, if he's available, he's great. And if you're in a league where um, you have to have relief pitcher spots, And you have like a starts limit. He becomes such a gem in in those head-to-head leagues because he's essentially getting starts four or five innings out of the bullpen. So I really like Garrett Whitlock. Uh, With Hill, I mean, you can, but I agree with you, he's probably not going to qualify for a win in either of them. So I actually greatly prefer Whitlock to Hill. Mm -hmm. Uh, Merrill Kelly had a strong spring. I think he had a 13-to-1 strikeout to walk rate and uh, looked really sharp there in his seven innings. He has carried that over so far in the first two starts of the season with a 34% strikeout rate. Uh, Velo is up a full tick and he's looking pretty solid. Is Merrill Kelly somebody that you're looking to start at Washington and home to the Mets? And if so, what formats?
1: Yeah, I think he's startable, um, you know, depending on your other options in pretty much every format, um, you know, I mean, obviously if you're playing in 10 and twelves, you kind of got to pick and choose between what you got, but um, I definitely,
0: I got a present for you. Um, There's a bird in the house. What? There were two. One's gone. I left the door open for the dogs, and there's a bird in the house, and we're still alive. Oh, God. God. So, enjoy.
1: Breaking back into this conversation, uh, continue. Continue. So sorry. We thought the game was over, but the game is just (laughs) yet beginning, and now. They found the bird. Yeah. Now there burn. is a new player that has entered the field. <laughs> Two new players.
0: Our Two friend Sarah players. is here with us. Oh, this
1: is awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's not
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They're freaking out. I'm so sorry to steamroll Meryl Kelly. I think Meryl Kelly's a traditional streamer right now. I'm yeah. Pick him up for this in shower formats. Team streamer and 15 teamers, though. I'm not cutting yes. him after using him this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I might go team streamer and 12 teamers as well, depending on what my rotation looks like. In 10 teamer, traditional. You pick him up, you start him, and then you you punt him. Um, okay, Agreed. John John Gray, at Seattle, at Oakland, what do you think of the Rangers writing?
1: Um, This is a tough one because I really like him, and this is not a bad spot, you know, bad bad places for him to be pitching. Um, and obviously versus Oakland is a pretty juicy matchup, but you have to wonder, like, coming off the IL, like, how much are they going to – how deep are they going to let him go in the game? True. Um, I think you go for it just because Oakland is so bad um, mm-hmm. that you could probably throw six innings against
0: them, <laughs> right? Uh, Especially um, after my performances against the Bird.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you would think that that would lower your stock, but uh, it has not. Um, at least not against the uh, the A's. So uh, the A's also, though. I mean, they put up like some major run scores they- against. Tampa, just like out of nowhere. Maybe they're
0: not the per no. I, I still want to stream against them, but they have been yeah. off to you know uh, a little bit of a start there with some big with some big runs. Mm-hmm. But that's still a team that you're starting.
1: I think you, to I think you, against. I think you take it. I think, I mean, um, it's you know, Seattle is a very, very uh, interesting team with a lot of talent, but they haven't yet put it together. I mean, both uh, uh, Kelnick and uh, uh, uh J Rod have struggled mightily early on. Um they did have a
0: big game the other day though where Kelnick went combo meal and J Rod, I think had two stone bases of his own.
1: Yeah. And then so they that played, played it, one they game. played in a tornado yesterday,
0: which was Oh my god, that was nuts. Honestly, Logan Gilbert is so lucky to have gotten out with just one unearned run. Unreal, Your strategy yeah. in that game just hit it up in the in the air as high as you can. Yeah, because did you see that Cal Raleigh
1: him. home run? Like yep. that that should have fallen forty feet short of the fence. And it just that kept was- going. Um, nuts dude that so was nuts uh yeah i mean it, it was it was a really fun I, I wasn't watching it at first and then people like started like tweeting just like this is insane i was like well now i gotta turn it on so yeah. it absolutely was insane some of those drop pop-ups in the infield were just uh unreal um, yeah, and you gotta so. imagine
0: they're swirling like crazy for to be up there that long and for the guys to to struggle like that it yeah it, it was absolutely wild uh, i was watching that game so i agree John Gray, at Seattle, at Oakland, go for it. The other Joe Gray, Josiah Gray, you have to now go J-O-N. You have to go John's full name or J-O-S if you're abbreviating them. Mm -hmm. Josiah Gray gets a two-step at home, Arizona and San Francisco. Is his strikeout upside enough to go for in in 12s and lower, or is he a 15-team-only type of guy right now?
1: Mm -hmm. And both of those matchups are home, right? Correct. Double home starts. So it's not like he's getting to play at San Francisco or at – Oh. Like I I, I kind of want him for the Arizona game, and I don't really want him for the San Francisco game. I get um, that.
0: Because Washington's sneaky home park, sneaky hitters park.
1: And and San Francisco is not a team that strikes out a ton. Um hmm. I think I take the gamble in fifteens and probably not in twelves.
0: Not in twelves for Josiah. Okay. Um yeah. I'm leaning yes in twelves, no in tens. Yeah, I need to see more consistency from him before I can really jump in in tens. Did you get it out? Yeah, we got the bird. Bird's I out. Need to the- two for two. It's. I mean, it's my, my clear. Me up.
1: It's clear that they the uh, the manager brought in the better relief arm. Absolutely. Uh, in Jen and Jen's friend, they had to uh, warm up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had
0: we had the bullpen warm in but I I gave it all I could. But uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah,
1: mean, this We're we're still under spring training rules where you could have re-entered the game after <laughs> being pulled. Uh, but uh, clearly the manager made the right decision
0: and absolutely. went for
1: the more talented uh, uh you know closer right there.
0: Better looking, just more mm-hmm. talented. Totally yes, get it. Absolutely totally get it. Justin Steele gets a double two, uh, a two-step at home against Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. Justin Steele, somebody who really interests me um to the point where I was actually talking about him on stream and I was like you know keep an eye on him guys during this Colorado start I could never start him I'm not suggesting that but I am intrigued by Justin Steele and he held up all right in course mm-hmm. all things considered his swinging strikes have not been there yet he has a 6% but it hasn't hampered his strikeout rate at 24% which matches last year I think his swinging strikes will get there my concerns are he's a two pitch guy uh fastball slider and as such does have a gaudy platoon split over his career early on this year. He has reversed the platoon split, but I'm not sure that nine innings of work, uh, is going to turn my, you know, change my mind that he can now get out righties and, and struggles a little bit more against lefties. Do you go for steel against Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh? And if so, what formats? Cause he's, he's pretty widely available.
1: Mm -hmm. you know, who really likes him is SP streamer, Michael
0: Simeone. Ah, very nice. He was talking about him back in February. Um, so I took him in the, uh, speakers league. I, I, I got some, I got some, you know, I'm not trying to match uh, Simeone Mm -hmm. there. I'm I'm happy to say that he's, he's the steel guy, but I got a couple, I got a couple shares late in, in DCs.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I may have him in ADC if at all. I don't, I don't know that I do. Um, yeah, I mean he's definitely interesting. The two pitch mix is a little bit uh a little bit scary. And he's got five pitches that he throws, but three
0: I mean, of them you, three of them he, he barely throws at all. Like you know, the, he, yeah, the other three, I should say. The other two are very consistent. <laughs> yeah, I mean fastball and slider.
1: Yeah, I mean he's throwing his curve five times this year, his changeup once and his sinker five times. So mm-hmm. um like he's he's really not throwing them at all. Um Though those can, you know, two-pitch mix like that can work early in a season.
0: It can. You know, we've seen, like, Hwaska and Noah um, have some success. We've seen, I mean, Chris Archer, his career was kind of made off of it. Mm-hmm. And Nelson Lomet, it can be successful. I do worry uh, against, you know, super righty-heavy lineups. Um, I feel like Tampa Bay will probably go pretty – they already do platoons. They're going to obviously see Steele's numbers, so expect a lot of righties to uh, play on that day uh, against him. And then uh, the other matchup was uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Go for Pittsburgh, obviously, but you have to take on the Tampa start if you want Justin Steele. I'm going to go ahead and go for it in 15s. I...
1: I'm going to say no, actually. Um, I are going to say no
0: in 15s, even.
1: I mean, unless you don't have a better option which can be the case in a number, you know, in some 15 team leagues where it's just, you know, I, I either got to throw this scrub for one or, or the, Justin Steele for two. I'm definitely going to take Justin Steele for two in that regard, but both Pittsburgh and, uh, and Tampa have actually been good at not striking out against lefties mm-hmm. early on this season. Um, you know, small sample, obviously smallest, sure. of small samples, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's that great of a two-start. I think he it, would rank towards the bottom of the list. I mean, you got it.
0: Pittsburgh, though. So I feel like that, that makes it good on some level, just inherently including Pittsburgh. I will say, if you like Justin Steele, this is probably this not your last chance, but this could be the last chance to get him for a little while because if he goes off here, you know, he's not coming back into the waiver pool. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I, I like him. I'm torn. I'm torn. 15s, I'm getting him, and I'm starting him. 12s, I think I'm getting him, and I might not start him. Yeah. So we'll, I, I, I'm, I'm in on the steel experience. 10s, too shallow. I think there'll be more options. Now, this one with the matchups I think is probably going to be an easy no, but I know a lot of people like say kakuchi He has to go to Boston and Houston. Are you in on him for this two-step, and are you in on him at all for the year?
1: Uh, I'm not really in on him for the year. Um and I'm definitely not in on him for this two step. Uh I mean, Boston crushes lefties. Uh, yeah. So like there's there's I mean, even if even if it was like Boston versus and then like versus Baltimore or something like that, I still would be very, very uh skeptical about wanting to start him against a Red Sox team that has guys like he, uh, JD Martinez and Bobby yeah. Dahlbeck and Devers who just crushed left handed pitching. So um, yeah, no, I'm 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 pretty much out on Kikuchi. Kikuchi was a guy, I mean, who I've loved in the past and was like really like, I'm waiting. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Now I need to see it happen before I buy him.
0: That's the thing. Every spring we seem to get back in. We being the, the fantasy community, I've actually not really been in that much on Kikuchi. Uh seems to get the energy pumped back up about him. And then we
1: see we see increased velo in the spring, ex- and with that spring. increased velo, the breaking stuff breaks just. Crazy good, and then once he starts building up, he's like the opposite of a lot of other guys. Like, because he's throwing more pitches, he has to dial it back so he doesn't hurt himself. And if the breaking stuff doesn't break like it does, it just sits in the zone, and guys just crush it. So, um, yeah, I'm just I'm not in on because you
0: had yeah. to like see him put it all together. Just just not not a guy for me. Cal Hendricks uh had a great first start. Everyone's like, Oh, he's back. This is why you don't overreact to one start, obviously, Uh, because then Pittsburgh roughs him up. And the thing of it is, at this point, I think it took a long time. So those of you that were anti-Kyle Hendricks, uh, you were wrong way too long to say you're right now. But Mm -hmm. the guy that a lot of his detractors thought he was when he was dominant from 2014 to 2020, um, I think he's now that guy. And what that is is a streamer who lives on a very thin margin to where when he's off, any matchup can get him and when he's on, he's actually matchup proof. But you just mm-hmm. don't know where that's gonna be. So with a two step coming up, do you trust Cal Hendricks t- with Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh? Both at home.
1: Do I trust him? No. Would I be willing would to take use the him?
0: Gamble? Probably, but I would in fifteens um, and twelves. I would not intend.
1: He looked so bad in spring, um, that I pretty much took him off my board. Um
0: Were you you encouraged at all by the first start? No. Looking more like Kyle Hendricks himself?
1: No, because while the command was there, he was still throwing 86 miles an hour.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing. That's that margin that I'm talking about. Yeah. And I didn't really um, watch as much of that. Of that start. Yeah. I watched the whole start. And yeah. And so. What was it a little fraudulent that he was because he pitched well, but was he was he not? I mean, he still had three walks. He did have the seven K. Yeah, it was off. it
1: wasn't vintage Kyle Hendricks. Like it okay. wasn't like you know. And I I just wonder if we've gotten to that point where this is who he is now. Then you
0: know, I think it is. I think he's like this next guy, and he should be in the same frame of mind as this next guy, Cole Irvin. And I'm gonna balk back. I'm gonna pull back and say uh no on twelves with Kyle Hendricks and say yes on fifteen still. Um C- Cole Irvin. Baltimore and Texas both at home I think it's, I think it's where Hendricks is right now where it's like he can give you some good outings he's going to be streamable he's a traditional streamer we use him for two starts or or good starts and you can cut him easily uh he had a 424 ERA last year with a 133 whip I think that's the thing too is that he's known as like a finesse command guy Cole Irvin is it's not a 133 whip last year like I don't see you know low strikeout or I mean I don't see the low walk rate delivering a good whip with this two-step here, Baltimore and Texas, I'm starting him, but it's again, as traditional as it gets, start him and then immediately cut him after that. So I would start Cole Irvin in 10 in 15s, 12s, no in 10s. I think there's gotta be better options in 10s.
1: Yeah. Um, And I'm going to caution people that uh he's pitching both his games at home, which is usually a really good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, However, his two-step, is on Tuesday and Sunday, and works well. Uh, this area is supposed to be hit by uh, some rainstorms, oh, and so you could, could lose one push. of those games, and he could get pushed to next week. What so, while you like the two step, and he actually looked pretty decent um, looked yesterday,
0: yeah, yeah yesterday.
1: in his start yesterday, um, I think there's a reasonable chance that they lose one game next week because of rain. And his two starts actually pushed off into the following week. So okay, um, just kind of a heads up on that. So if you're like, if you're really in between two guys that have two steps, and Cole Irvin one of them, you might actually want to go to the other guy just because I
0: think there's a reasonable chance he does not get two starts. Good tip. Appreciate that. Uh, another guy very similar to the you know you're seeing a theme here with Hendricks, Urban and Madison Bumgarner, finesse guy that kind of lives on a thin margin is a at Washington and home to the Mets. Is that enough to get you in on Mad Bum?
1: Oh, man, this one's brutal, man, because I drafted him in at least one of my main events and I think my auction because he had an opening day start. um, And then I kept him around because I knew he'd be getting this two-step and I didn't play him in his last start where he pitched fairly well. Um,
0: Uh, Wait, wasn't uh, it against um, Houston, though? It was well, no, no. So he was only supposed
1: to have one start, and then he ended up. Did he end up getting two, or did I don't know, that, that second start get
0: get Yeah, was he supposed to get a two step before this? You're saying because he has the two step this week because he started so, against San Diego and then now Houston, who he pitched well against five innings, one run, but only two punchies. So now it, it moves his two step here to this week. Okay, with- so
1: he. So, th- something must have gotten pushed back because now he's starting on Monday for two steps. So, it's actually going to work out for me. Um, you, and I will get to two steps. I do. I do. Bumgarner's looked really good in spring um, and in that first start. Um, and the real difference um, one, the velocity has been back up to kind of where it, it had been previously. But more important than that, uh, as Dalton Varshow, uh I think almost to a deep ooh that was close um wait how far
0: where are I I'm they? probably
1: far behind you know how my my team oh yeah that's
0: right that's right that's right you're behind not ahead um, okay. go ahead sorry
1: I, i'm still i'm at the top of the third so um but uh what's more impressive is for the first time in a few years he's really starting to um hit his spots within the zone his command is back in a way that it hasn't been um, for Bumgarner? For Bumgarner. And so I'm uh I'm definitely more interested in he is like a I think a fifteen team team streamer right now. I don't necessarily okay. want to drop him into the market. I think he's still in ten and twelves. So you're looking at him as uh just a regular streamer. Traditional streamer, yeah. Um but I I would definitely start him in this two step. I, I don't I'm not afraid of Washington or the Mets right now.
0: I'll, I'll co-sign that. Um, team streamer in 15s, traditional streamer in 10s and 12s where where he fits your team. I would not go crazy. There's a lot of guys on this list that I'd go over Bumgarner in 10s and 12s. But if you get him, just a traditional streamer. Mm-hmm. Couple couple of Pirates uh, get in two steps with JT Brewbaker and Mitch Keller. They go to the Brewers and to the Cubs. Either of them spark anything for you? I know Keller was delivering, you know, uh, driving some fantasy focus with uh the, the heavy VLO increase. He,
1: he's still who we thought he was.
0: He still looks kind of terrible.
1: Yeah, he's still he's still the same guy. Like, yeah, the VLO is great, but like he still doesn't I mean, have there, control or command. It was a
0: like, 13% swing strike rate in that first outing. At the very least, there was something
1: great, there. but he's still doesn't have commander control like that's still a St- problem St-
0: like St. louis walloped him for sure yeah
1: um so yeah, i'm interesting i don't know that i want to start either of them necessarily i think i feel like
0: brewbaker makes, makes his own trouble i feel like man like with those yeah. three walks to start his last time, it's like come on man like I, obviously it, Easier said than – I'm sitting here like, just don't walk, guys. Like, no shit, Paul. But I'm just saying, like, when I see that, my my shoulders just slump. I'm like, damn it. This is a good start against Washington. And he actually still went four and a 30, kind of still salvaged it Mm -hmm. after three walks in the first. I want to like Brubaker. I actually want to like him a bit more than Keller. I know that that Keller drove that hype, like I said. But Brubaker actually interests me a bit more. I don't know that I'm going for either, even in a 15-teamer, though.
1: At Milwaukee, is not a – at Milwaukee, not a great – place to pitch
0: and the cubs and then, are off to a decent start yeah the cubs oh.
1: actually look decent offensively i'm not um i mean I, they're not a team i'm avoiding necessarily but they're not like a walk in the park that we thought we might see
0: would you pick up brubaker for a stash then or do you only pick up guys that you intend to use in this situation
1: i think it depends on what my team context is like if i there are very few teams I think right now where people are feeling like, "Hey, all my guys are healthy and I can stash a, a GT burger. Yeah, like
0: no, I, I'm I'm with that. Like you got to be in a pretty good spot to to be able to be stashing and like even right my now.
1: really good teams right now have hurt guys. Like it's yeah, I, I don't know I mean, that
0: are you even ready to cut some of your late round sleepers? That's another thing too. Like who do you cut if you're trying to stash a brew baker? Mm-hmm. So you'd have to be in a pretty fortunate situation. I think you make a good point there. And so Keller right now is still in a full wait and see mode for you. You have to see something to even care. You wouldn't jump on. Yeah. This no. Okay. What about uh Yoan Adon from Washington, hard thrower, uh, got some swing and miss, probably even more, not probably definitely more raw than Josiah gray. So is a is a more raw Josiah Gray somebody that you want against Arizona and San Francisco after you are a little bit lenient on Josiah Gray himself? What do you think? I think your facial reaction tells me everything I need to know, but I'm just I'm asking just to be thorough here. I don't know. It feels
1: like he was talking to Josiah Gray, like you know, prior to his starts. It's like. And just had a great. It's like, yeah, I, 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 I like giving up a couple home runs here and there. And Joe and Yonah Joh- Don, it's all like, oh, yeah, watch this. Wait, um, okay. I'm going to give up two at Pittsburgh. Like, I, I'm not even at home. I know. Like, I'm in like, one of the best pitchers parked in baseball, facing one of the worst teams in baseball. <laughs> and I'm just going to give up two jacks. Oh, yeah, I'm also going to throw not? three walks on that in four and two thirds. Uh, yeah. The- that's it, yeah. The arm is a is electric. I mean, um, if he ever learns how to command his stuff, I think he'd be really good. I have zero faith he's going to command it. And I don't want... Like, the worst thing you can do on a two-start is have two blow-up outings. Like, yeah. the, the, these are the kind of guys I completely stay away from early on in the season that I will be much more um, apt to attack later on in the season. Because, like, like you said, I like to play conservative early, and then if I need to make those kind of Hail Mary throws later on,
0: I will. A Dawn is a Hail Mary, Hail Mary throw. Too early to throw. I agree. I agree. Uh, Daniel Lynch, interesting lefty for KC, gets Minnesota and at Seattle. Is there any intrigue there for the uh, – I guess I don't know if he's a prospect anymore based on technical qualifications for prospect lists, but he's still a prospect in the real world with 73 innings under his belt. Daniel Lynch, anything for you?
1: I don't think so. Um, I mean, I like Lynch. I think he's one of those guys that I wouldn't mind stashing in a deeper league where um, I, uh, I have the spot, but I, I just Kansas
0: city pitching looks so bad right now. (laughs) I know they haven't really shown none of those guys have really poked through and said like, remember when
1: like everybody was praising that organization for drafting all these college pitchers, like, Hey, these guys are going to be ready and they've got really high floors. Yeah, just a real deep. As people thought
0: it was, real deep arsenal of of guys to to dole out there. Exactly, but uh, we haven't really seen it from Keller Bubich, Carl Sanez, and Daniel Lynch right now. I'm going to be a little bit more interested in Daniel Lynch, though. Um, we're starting to see some of the swing and miss come together. Not not based off of the one five inning start, but he had 12 percent swinging strike rate at the majors last year. I'm a little bit more intrigued by this. Minnesota and at Seattle is not an amazing. Uh, setup you can definitely get get got by either or both but I think I'm gonna go ahead and take Daniel Lynch and 15 teamers uh with this two step here and see what I can get. He he has I can
1: see it actually. I mean Minnesota's been like a a poor offense so far this year outside of Buxton, you know, raking early. Um mm-hmm. so and, and they are striking out like twenty eight percent of the time right now. And yeah, we talked about man, Seattle, team.
0: you know, they haven't fully come together yet mm-hmm. either. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this shot here in in 15s uh, with somebody like Daniel Lynch and then kind of s- see where I'm at after this week in terms mm-hmm. of whether or not I'm holding him. Uh, Nick Lodolo, disastrous debut. Will that keep the pricing down or will a two-step at San Diego and home to St. Louis get people back in? Where do you stand on Nick Lodolo?
1: Who, um, I think long term he's going to be fine. I think he's actually going to be really good long term. Um, so it, it does not change my long term outlook for him. However, I do not want to go up against San Diego and St. Louis in Cincinnati. Um, so no, I go to
0: San Diego and then home to St. Louis.
1: Oh, okay. So he's at San Diego, and then home versus St. Louis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a little bit more interesting. But I still probably avoid it. I, I want to see, you know. I, I get, I do think he's better. So I like this is not like a comp, you know, in any way, shape, or form. But I get the like same vibes we got from Jackson Kawar last year, where everybody got really, really excited about a pitching prospect, and then he got he, he was duster, just trash oh for God. anyone who spent a bunch of fab on him. Um, you know. So yeah, I. I can understand people wanting to go for it um, and Indeed. I'm sure there will be people who do go
0: for it, but that first outing was so bad that I just, I just can't four guys left. I'm a bunch of them all. Cause you just tell me if you have any interest in it, but Oh, wait, my, my thoughts on Ladolo. I'm going to try to use the first bad start as a discount I'm going to actually be looking at him in 15 specifically. 12s, it, it would depend on need. I think there's going to be too many available guys that I'm going to like more. But 15s, I'm still going to stay in on Lodolo this week to try to get them at a discount. If people pay kind of full freight and don't put any discount based off of that first bad start and they just go for the two-step at full price, they can have them. Uh, Dylan Bundy, Chad Cool, Kyle Freeland, Dallas Keuchel. Doesn't matter who they're facing. Do you want any of those four? I will say for the two Rockies, Cool and Freeland, it's one home against Philly and one away at Detroit. So keep that in mind at least. But do any of these guys strike your fancy in any format? I I would imagine it has to be 15 teams or deeper. I'd be surprised if you were going to come say you're going to play them in a 12.
1: I'm getting really close to the mic for this one. To say no. (laughs) Don't do it. Yeah, none of please, these guys. Please don't, I, I, please, I please don't put these guys on your team because it would just end poorly.
0: What? What if? How much would I have to pay you to get Bundy and and in, uh, in for at the White Sox or at the Red Sox and home to the White Sox? What would I have to pay pay you to do to bid him
1: M- my entry fee for the main <laughs>
0: event? <laughs> yeah, since you're basically giving yourself away. Yeah. All right. So great. Great group of two starts there. that kind of ra- run the gamut of of league types. Shallow leaguers can go get McGill, Cobb, Lazardo, McKenzie, Whitlock. Uh, middle mid tier leaguers go get your Merrill Kelly, your John and Josiah Gray. Maybe looking at a Justin Steele if you're interested. A mad bum. Your mileage ma- mileage may vary on like a Hendrix or an Irvin. And then deep leaguers, you're probably looking at those other guys: Hendricks, Irvin, Bumgarner, Brubaker. Um, And of course, in addition to any of those other guys that are available and Justin Steele, Uh, but yeah, interesting two start week. And obviously there's some other guys that are studs that I didn't include because they're all, they're already uh, fully rostered everywhere. So Justin, good luck with bidding this week. I think this is our first like real week, right? Because we have a full Mm -hmm. week of of data to go off of So this is where things were really rubber meets the road. And uh, you can put $500 on somebody the way everyone put $500 on Josh Lowe last week.
1: (laughs) <laughs> not me. No. Uh, I mean, I appreciate other people doing it so they've got less money to spend uh, later on. I-, I would like to point out the fact that um, when we started this episode, uh, I was 10th overall in the auction championship and first uh, in my league. Mm-hmm. Um, and in spite of the fact I have not had anybody play yet today, I have somehow dropped a fifth in my league. Um uh, <laughs> So I assume it's the birds or something there's that there four are...
0: innings of play. I wonder what the heck happened to you. Like this is
1: how innings. much like this is how much uh like standing change. Literally have not had anybody play and I fell from first to fourth or fourth to fifth in my in my league. And yeah, that is that's yeah, true. Literally four, literally innings, four innings, innings of so. game time. I um, don't care about the standings early on, but they're fun
0: as hell to watch. With respect to the birds, the fact that there were two mm. birds, do you yes. think I should have simply gotten one stone in order to get them?
1: <laughs> I feel like that needs to be the name of episode. Only oh, if only I had
0: one stone available to me. All right, Justin, it's been a long episode because we're leaving all the bird stuff in. Sorry about that, y'all. Hopefully uh, fantastic. I mean... Uh,
1: I, I, this is in consideration for submitting. For is this a, what we're going to submit year. for FSWA? I, mean, okay. I feel like it should be. Um, I don't know that it would win, but um, I feel like it was uh clearly the Very best emblematic. work we've Yeah, exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> you should, uh, wherever you put it, or if you just leave it in, Colt, you should. I, I think there. I'm just going to leave it in. But you should still clip it as a separate clip and maybe put it on Twitter. I'm just saying.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I it it maybe it's it might be too long. Oh, that's to true. go on Twitter. I mean, it, it went on for a good five, See if you can six find minutes,
0: a, a good minute of it that uh mm-hmm. encapsulates what's going on, and then say, Hey, listen to today's episode. And anyway, yeah, I'll, Justin, de- I'll
1: definitely clip it and put it on TikTok and on Twitter. And it was, <laughs> yeah,
0: it was great talking with you. Um, have fun with the, any birds that may come your way this weekend because they're out of the house now. We got rid of them, but uh, are you on Sunday with Jason?
1: yeah yeah we'll be uh we'll be going on sunday we might even have a guest i think okay. michael waterloo of the athletic i know I. oh no i booked him for FWF. so we may not have a guest okay well um, but I'll, uh, I'll work the on J
0: show oh over. actually
1: never mind we are not recording this sunday oh, it's, it's easter. easter yeah that's right it's so, easter sunday okay so everyone um,
0: have a wonderful easter if you celebrate justin and i will be back on tuesday next week
1: take it easy